What's up? I'm Danny. And I'm Brandy. We're sisters. And we're dead inside. It's like, where do we find purpose? I heard that all you have to do is look at art. Art can make you feel feelings? Yeah, like um, Michelangelo once got super pissed off and threw a bunch of roof rafters at the Pope. Right, I think my heart is beating again. Oh my I'm confused. Oh, did you hear that Marie Antoinette maybe had a secret lesbian love affair with her portrait painter? Whoa, whoa, I'm feeling like super something like blood pumping. Um, There's this thing where Caravaggio killed a man by stabbing him in the taint. Like what? With a sword? Like what? I think I feel alive. Maybe we should just drop everything and see if this actually works. That sounds like a great idea for a podcast. That sounds like our podcast. Yeah, that's our podcast. Download and subscribe to Art History. That's like art history, but with an S. Wherever you get your podcasts. Get it? Because we're sisters. We're sisters. Art history, art sisters. and Twisted Pod People listeners, this is Historical AF, and we are still diving into the deep and dark like you do. This is Natalie. I'm Keenan, and we are historian and a librarian bringing you the funny, weird, spooky, and incredibly morbid historical nuggets you never knew you needed in your ear holes. Yep, and that ear holes is full of funeral customs part two. This is episode 27, bitch. <sighs> Again, super excited for this episode. It's been a week yeah. for you guys, but it's been five minutes for us. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Again, we're doing this all in a thing because I'm having surgery. And I just, the whole plan is just lay on a couch and have my husband serve me and watch Netflix. That's all I want to do. Really excited. Is that an option for like, if you, even if you don't have surgery? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, yesterday I had my little pre-op thing and they're telling me like for a week, the more you can stay off of it, the faster it's going to heal. So if you just lay down, you'll be good. And I was telling Zeke and I was like, so should I go get a bell or should you pick up one on your way home? And he's like, nope, don't like that. Not doing that. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, <laughs> man. My dad broke his leg one time when I was a kid and he, <laughs> I don't know how he got his hand on a bell, but he called it his ringy dingy. And he'd be like, wife, ding, 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 ding. And then she finally was just like, fuck off. But yeah, but it was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny because like, I'm thinking of the ringy dingy. I'm like, that oh, sounds yeah. not dad, great. <laughs> my dad was like a slightly more coherent Ozzy Osbourne. Like, you know how Ozzy just like mumbles and says shit. My dad would do the same thing. Like one time he went to Walmart called it Wally World, and he's like, I need a dut-dut like this, and made, like, a triangle out of his hands. And me and my sister are like, what the fuck is he talking about? My mom's like, it's on that aisle, it's in the freezer section, and we're like, how the hell did you know what that meant? And she's like, oh, marriage. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, he said a lot of things. It was really funny. That was a good show, that whole Ozzy Osbourne. The... Did you see where the youths are like, oh, Post Malone's making that Ozzy Osbourne guy you know, famous. How lucky is he for Post Malone? Oh, really? Oh, my God. Yeah, because he they have a song out. That's some these... talking some shit. <laughs> Young people didn't know who Ozzy Osbourne was. I was like, how do you not know? They play Crazy Train at, like, every event. I don't I don't understand. Can't comprehend. Uh, be it. 
be in marching band, y'all. You'll learn all the hit classics, basically. <laughs> oh, man, that's got some good drums. I think it was the same thing when Taylor Swift got bumped from number one by Tool. And people were like, who the fuck is Tool? Where'd they come from? Nobody cares about Tool. I'm like, mm, okay, though. But they've been around longer than you've been born. Oh, you that just makes me sad. Makes me really sad, too. Yeah, I saw somebody tweet something about, like, who the fuck is Foo Fighters? Who cares? And I'm like, how dare you? (laughs) Sakina, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I think I should be recovering from surgery, watching lots of Netflix, doing lots of artsy things. Like I said, I'm getting into this art glass etching thing. Very excited. I think I was very inspired by our talks about e-welding. And I'm like, I want to use machinery. So here I am. I love welding. I love it. It's just something about using big-ass tools. I just love Mm -hmm. it. When I was working at the museum, I got to use a staple gun for something, and I just felt like the biggest badass. (laughs) 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 Yeah, You know, like, you have art, and then they're on those little boxes. Well, I never thought of it, but those boxes have to be covered with fabric, and they have to have, like, pristine corners, and they can't have any creases, and they have to be tight. I got so fucking good at that. I was so proud of myself. They were like, kept saying, oh, these are the best seams I've ever seen. I was like, I found my calling. Staple gun. Pew, pew. <laughs> <laughs> I had so much fun. <laughs> and then I'd like some I... pictures of Zeke and he's like, why would they give you a staple gun? Do they know you? I'm like, yeah. you stop it. I have talent. <laughs> I had a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I always scare Emery. Well, I just found anyone out that I, I have a small blowtorch here and I use it in my it's not it's not a little creme brulee blowtorch it's actually like a real blowtorch <laughs> and that you can buy at Home Depot or wherever and yeah it kind of freaks people out when they see it and I like it <laughs> that will be and, my next but, thing I get into I really want to mm, try it I just these. love fire so much <laughs> fire you know like Beavis in the head he's like fire <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, as soon as he gets done with the car, I want to learn how to weld things. He has a giant one. I'm really excited. But car is in the way. I'm pretty jealous of that. If I, I, you know, I live in an apartment, so. But if I have a house, I'd love to get an actual real. I wouldn't have a garage. I have a real shop for all my art stuff. And it would be a real welding set versus just a small torch. Yeah, I do. I it's a goal. I always <laughs> make fun of those like she sheds, but I'm like secretly really want one to be an art studio. <laughs> I can't call it a she shed. Yeah, I just I'll just call, it, just call it a studio, but I just want a place where it's I can just throw my shit in there and not have to pick it up because all the stuff I do is so messy, and then I don't want to do it because mm-hmm. then I know I have to clean it up. So I just want a place where I can just like throw shit around, throw some paint. You know, all you got to do is clean the brushes, and I'm done. That's all I want. Gotcha. <laughs> goals that is my goal yeah we were talking and pretty soon we should have we're gonna put up our artwork on our website so you know the historical af podcast.wordpress.com com. yeah so things are happening i know i'm gonna start doing some glasses and stuff that are podcast themed so we might have some stuff going up that we're gonna sell hint hint twink wink yep so. And I dabble in a little everything, sculpting yeah. to miniature paintings, to painting magnets, to any, we do all kinds of cool shit, basically. And, yeah. you know, if you, we don't even have to wait on the website. If you want to send us a personal request, mm-hmm. that is fine. I'm fine with Absolutely. doing a commission piece. 
Yeah, and if you have any ideas of stuff you want us to do, let us know. I'm probably going to do a lot of booze glasses. I've also been making, like, the dice we used to roll. I have the stuff to make more. If anybody wants one of those, well, hit me up. Social media or something. Email us. We have one of those coasters. Oh, yeah, I've been making coasters. We had that incentive in August that if you join Patreon, we all made you a little something something. So I made coasters. I would burn them. It was a lot of fun. So I'm hoping (laughs) glass etching is as simple to me as wood burning, but less painful because those little fire stick things, the wood burn gets super hot. So Mm -hmm. I have to put the glove on (laughs) that you get for like curling irons, but then it's still like burning me. So it's, it's not as fun. Anywho, (laughs) (laughs) all right, we'll hear from our sponsor and then we'll get to it. All right. Love wine. We've got the perfect wine club for you. Wink. Wink is a revolutionary wine club that delivers high quality wine straight to your door. They partner with innovative winemakers from all over the world to produce a wide variety of small lot handcrafted wines for their members. With Wink, you have the freedom to pick and choose the types of wines and the number of bottles you receive each month. The best part is they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee on every single bottle. Start drinking personalized wine selections today. Try Wink. Right now, Wink is offering our listeners $22 off four bottles of wine plus complimentary shipping when you go to trywink.com slash historical AF. That's basically four bottles of wine that are super high quality and amazing for under $40. So go to trywink.com slash historical AF. Go ahead and take something off your to-do list. Go to trywink.com slash historical AF to get that $22 off of your four bottles of wine and the complimentary shipping. Okay, one more time. That's trywink.com slash historical AF. And that's wink, W-I-N-C. Woo! Wink, wink. Okay, we're back. All right, so we're doing part two of Funeral Funeral Customs. Mm -hmm. Stories, that's the podcast. That's not me. Okay, yeah, part two, Funeral Customs. And my two this week are kind of connected, so really excited. I think I'm going to start with Spooky. Go for it. Spooky, let me make it. As we are approaching closer to Halloween, I love Halloween, it's my favorite. What I love about this is that I picked it because I thought it was obviously spooky. Um, but turns out it's really not. It's this giant misconception. <laughs> so I really didn't know a whole lot about voodoo. I know what I've seen on TV and TV shows and little bits and pieces I've heard, but I didn't know really what it was. And they have- tell us more. <laughs> All right. So before we can get into the funeral stuff, we have to know what voodoo actually is. It's not a cult. There is no black magic. It's not even remotely close to devil worship. People who practice voodoo are not witch doctors. They're not sorcerers and they're not occultists. And voodoo isn't a practice intended to hurt or control others. And most voodooists have never actually seen or used a voodoo doll unless they've seen it in the movies like us. So busting a lot of bubbles here, I'm sure. I don't know. I mean, I'm just hearing <laughs> like all these popping. Voodoo is not morbid and it's not violent. So voodoo isn't even the same across the world. Not everybody who practices voodoo does it the exactly the same way or agree on the same things. So that might sound really confusing and tricky, but if you think about Christianity, there's so many different viewpoints and beliefs of Christians, but everybody calls themselves Christians. So it's think of it in that idea. 
And also, like, Christianity trying to summarize that in 20 minutes is hell, so please bear with me. (laughs) (laughs) This was really hard to try to summarize because there's so much to it. So I'm really going to zero in on one tiny little aspect of it so that we can open it up for future episodes. Cool, cool. So voodoo is a religion that originated in Africa. In the Americas and the Caribbean, it's thought to be a combination of various African, Catholic, and Native American traditions. So I definitely want to do voodoo again, and I want to focus more on the creation of voodoo. Since we're just doing funeral practices, I didn't want to do, you know, two hours of talking. We're going to definitely have to have another whole episode (laughs) of voodoo. But I definitely wanted to just put it out there that voodoo really originated through slavery and the slave trade Mm -hmm. and bringing them into the Caribbean. So it really meshed. And then there was a time where, you know, Catholicism was trying to convert everybody. So Buddhism really sprang from this keeping the African traditions alive, but also meshing with the Catholic beliefs. So it's really cool. Mm -hmm. And I want to do it because it's very intricate and I want to do it justice, but it really does originate with slavery and it's really important. So There's a quote about Haiti that I saw that I thought really summed this up. It says that Haiti is 70% Catholic, 30% Protestant, and 100% voodoo. So, kind of, to me, that really kind of showed me, like, how intertwined everything is. So, it's really cool. A nice hodgepodge going on. Yeah. There's not a real accurate count on how many people are actually practicing, but the closest approximation I found was 60 million. Wow. Way more than I was expecting, too. And it said there's a lot of followers living in places like Haiti, Jamaica, the Dominican Republic, Brazil, and the United States. Yeah. Most voodoo practice- practitioners believe the world is connected to the spirit world. And for the rest of this, we're mostly going to talk about Haitian voodoo and Louisiana. They call it voodoo, but it's voodoo. And we're going to talk about this too. It's very confusing because all the spelling changes when you talk about Haitian versus Louisiana, but we're just going to say voodoo, but just know that I'm talking about this area. Okay. So voodoo refers to a whole assortment of cultural elements, personal creeds and practices, including an elaborate system of folk medicine practices, a system of ethics transmitted across generations, including proverbs, stories, songs, and folklore. Voodoo is more than a belief, it's a way of life. And this is a quote from Leslie Desmongles, and she's a Haitian professor at Hartford's Trinity College. What was that? So, uh, fucking Whoa. apartment. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, voodoo people. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a neighbor upstairs, they dropped something. So then it oh. dropped and it rolled. Or it's, or it's voodoo, you know, it's murder pissed. Say voodoo. It's also community-centered, and it supports an individual experience, empowerment, and a responsibility of people to each other. And unlike other religions, it doesn't have a scripture. It's spread through word, word of mouth. So, like the stories and the songs and stuff. So, And then also, unlike Catholicism that has a world authority, you know, i.e. the Pope, they don't have one specific person that's involved with that religion. Buddha embraces and incorporates the entirety of the human experience. It is practiced by people who are imperfect and they use their religion for their own purposes. So a lot of religions, you're supposed to be selfless and it's not supposed to be about you and you're supposed to try to be perfect. Voodoo acknowledges that nobody's perfect and you can't use it for your own experience. Finally. I know, right? (laughs) I know, they're really selling me on it. (laughs) 
Voodoo teaches <laughs> a belief in a supreme being who they call, even the pronunciation of this is hard, so please bear with me, Bondie? Bondie? And he is an unknowable and uninvolved creator god. Voodoo's believe. Oh my god. Voodoo believers. Voodoo's. This made a new word up. Voodoo believers worship many spirits who they call Loa, each of whom are responsible for specific domains or parts of life. So a lot of them are different archetypes of the human personality, and then some embody specific concerns. So, for example, if you're a farmer, you might give praise and offerings to a spirit of agriculture. Um, if you're suffering from a, you know, unrequited love, you might give praise and offerings to Urzuli Freda, who is a spirit of love, and then so on. And then in addition to this, um, a lot of these can embody certain locations. So like Marie Laveau in New Orleans, like she's specific to that location. So they develop relationships with these. Luas, and they seek their counsel and help with concerns in the visible world. So, if you think about Christian theology, like saints, people can, you know, talk to saints and like candles and mm-hmm. stuff. Makes there's, sense. There's a lot of uh, intermingling of these religions. So, followers of Voodoo believe in a universal energy and a soul that can leave the body during dreams and spirit possession. In Christian theology, spiritual possession is considered an act of evil, either Satan or some demonic entity trying to enter an unwilling human vessel. But in voodoo, possession by a loa is desired. It's actually a ceremony guided by priests or priestesses, and this possession is considered very valuable. It's a firsthand spiritual experience and a connection to the spirit world. I found that really interesting. I'm terrified of demonic possession. <laughs> I have a rosary and I'm not even Catholic. <laughs> like, I'm terrified of it. But I, I find it really interesting that it's something that you would want in this religion. So, yeah, and the fact that it's kind of a goal that's kind of something you want to work towards, that's uh, a little risky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, like Catholic saints or Hindu deity figures, the Loa are familiar and accessible. Whereas this great God, even though it's loving, it's very distant and it's above what an individual could ever, you know, talk to and reach. The voodoo have ordained clergy. So Hugon are priests and Monbo are priestesses, which I also kind of dig that they have women, you know, spiritual leaders. A lot of religions don't. And they make a commitment to a spiritual path that can offer guidance when needed. But it's believed that each person is responsible for their own actions and that they're capable of self-actualization. Voodooists especially place value on strength of community for support and and enrichment, which I really dig that, too. That, like, we're here to help you, but you are capable of doing it all on your own. There's a lot of of religions where they're, like, you know, say, like, medieval Europe. They're, like, you got to pay us some money, and then we'll help you save your soul. But I really kind of... They're really selling me on this. I'm telling you. Is is that what this is? This is a pitch? All right. If there are any voodoo people that need sponsorship like if you feel like sponsoring a podcast give us a call yeah what yeah it just sounds really cool today voodoo practitioners actually face discrimination and there's even instances of lynching if they encounter like fundamentalist religious groups which i'm assuming is from this giant miscommunication of what voodoo actually is and it's probably Mm because they go against a lot of social norms 
For instance, the religion reveres members of the LGBTQ plus community, and it treats all genders equally. So this is probably very shocking to the system of most religions, because it is not accepted in most. Which I get, it's really selling me. So, (laughs) now that we kind of know what voodoo is, and there's so much more that I couldn't really touch on, so I really, really hope that we can do this again so I can talk about it. But, when death is impending... The entire family will gather, they'll pray, cry, they'll use religious medallions or other spiritual artifacts. Relatives and friends will make considerable efforts to make sure that they're present when the death is near, that way they can be there. In addition, the majority prefers to die at home, so they will, at the hospital if they have to, if they have no choice, but a lot of times they want to pass away in their own home, which is understandable. Voodoo practitioners believe that the soul enters the spirit world immediately after death, but for seven to nine days, it does stay really close to the body. This is a hazardous time for the soul because an evil practitioner or a practitioner with a grudge could steal the soul and keep it from reaching peace. The, oh my God, I'm going to, oh shit, I forgot to look this up. The Vei, the Dernier Prie, and the Prise de Duoli? D-E-U-I-L Duel are all morning practices The Vey involves Those done before burial The Dernier Prie Is seven days of praying at home To secure passage of the soul to the next world And a lot like a funeral The Prise de Duel Happens on day seven Marking the official start of the period of mourning After a week has passed The Hungan or the Monbo performs a nine-night ritual. This rite frees the soul from its ties to the body and allows it to go to a place of dark water where it stays for a year and one day. At the end of this time, a priest performs a ritual called the Rite of Reclamation to transfer the soul into a clay jar they call a govi. Then he or she will destroy the govi in a ritualized way, for instance, shattering it at a crossroads. This sends the soul to the community of the ancestral spirits. Then the spirit enters the body of a family member or a friend. Voodoo practitioners believe that the LGBTQ people are especially receptive to souls. This is why they're revered within the community. The spirit later reincarnates 16 times, and then it will enter the spirit world for good. So. So you have 16 lives? Like the soul will enter 16 different people's bodies. Okay. So once they release a soul after that goes in the jar... They, the spirit will enter the body of a family member or a friend. And then they also believe oh. that. Yeah. So 16 times. Okay. So not like some rando. Give me somebody they know. Yeah. Another big aspect of this is that the family assumes responsibility. Most Haitians die at home surrounded by loved ones. And that's when a ritual wailing begins at the death. The eldest member of the family is responsible for making arrangements for handling the body and the performance of funeral rites. Another family member is elected to give the last bath, which is a sign of affection and respect. So the family is the one that cleanses the body at death. Hmm. Since the body is thought to be necessary for resurrection, organ donation and cremation are not allowed. Autopsy is only allowed if the death has occurred as a result of a wrongdoing or to confirm that the body is actually dead and not a zombie. (laughs) Spoiler alert, I'm going to talk about zombies in the future, but I didn't want to talk about it now, even though it's so fucking fascinating. But 
if you're one of our higher up tiers in Patreon, you get to pick a story and one of our members picks zombies. So it's coming up, but I'm not going to spoil anything. So suspense. (laughs) (laughs) You can ruminate on that. All right. The disposal of the body can be a problem since whatever happens to the body can affect your spirit. Like I said, cremation is not an option since voodoo forbids the destruction of the body. Most people prefer an above-ground mausoleum as a final resting place, but buying a mausoleum costs far more than most Haitians can afford. Instead, most families rent space in public mausoleums when the first crucial year is over, so that year and a day that they're in that dark water space. After that is over and all the rituals are over, they have the body burned. And that's usually because they no longer pay the rent, which is really sad. Mm -hmm. Some families have no choice but to abandon the body in a secluded spot and pray that no harm comes to their loved one's spirit. So I can't imagine how heartbreaking that would be. You can't pay rent, and then you're just hoping and praying that their body's okay because that's, you know, their soul. So that makes me really sad. Voodoo is a rich, vibrant religion that interweaves many system of beliefs. Its rituals around death and dying ensure that the spirit goes on to a part of the world where the ancestors are and then from there they can look out on their loved ones on earth so again they're another culture that's very very stemmed in their ancestors it kind of reminded me of have you ever seen black panther Mm -hmm. like the ancestral plane you know like all the yeah yeah that's what really kind of made me think of that would Um, be really cool to experience Haitians also celebrate ancestry day on january 2nd every year it's a day for honoring your ancestors. Who They celebrate by eating meals, having parades, and other celebrations to honor their ancestors. Honoring the deceased is an incredibly important to the Haitian people. Haitians celebrate their culture by giving thanks to, to all those who have lived before them. They believe that their future depends on the way that they honor their ancestors. Regardless of the economic situation or religious beliefs, Haitians strive to make sure their legacy is preserved and that their culture is portrayed with dignity even after death. It's actually really, really nice. It is really, really nice. And it made me really happy. And I really liked it. I, I know. I, I'm, 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 I'm sorry I'm so quiet, but I'm just processing everything you said. And I'm comparing it to what little apparently I've known about <laughs> voodoo. Would have never thought it was such a peaceful and just ancestral. Well, yeah, I never it. thought it was as violent as they oh, <laughs> put it in TV not. shows. But yeah. But still, it's it is interesting, and it just makes me sad about the body being the soul, though, and and them hanging on to an object that could be so easily lost. Yeah, I guess that's why I'm like, I, and that's probably the only thing that's sort of the downside that of hearing you talk about it. It just yeah, the thing that really, really broke my heart is if you think about the hurricanes, like how yes. terrifying it must be. That you lose everything, but then also the damage to these mausoleums. You know, you're so afraid for your loved one's soul. It just really adds to the devastation. Oh, it brought us down again. <laughs> okay. We're really kicking us off with the sad. But yeah, anyway, Voodoo's really cool. Everybody should, you know, look into it more. Can't wait to talk about it again. Because Yes, I it will come heard. back. I already have like 10 pages of notes for the next time I get to talk about it. But for the <laughs> sake of you not listening to me talk for 20 hours, I had to cut it. 
So, no, okay. we're just going to spread it out. <laughs> spread it out. Yeah, this I, I love picking things where I'm like, ooh, that could be like five parts. We got five episodes there. We're good. All right, what do you got? Oh, real quick. From what you just told me, it reminds me of something that's actually coming up. When this airs, it will already have passed. So I think I might have mentioned in a past episode, just kind of briefly, but I am I am adopted. And my birth mother passed away when I was a baby. And that day is on October 13th. And my birth mother and my mom were, were sister. And uh, so I call my birth mother Heather. So if you ever hear me refer to Heather, that's actually my birth mother. But my mom and Heather were a lot alike. And one thing they absolutely loved was the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And they never got to go see it with, like, an interactive audience. Mm-hmm. And this Friday on October, what is this Friday? October 11th, uh, downtown Little Rock is showing it. <laughs> and so her and I were going to go see it. And Aww. so that would be kind of nice. And on the 13th, we're actually going to go visit my grandpa. And because uh, it, hits, it hits him and my mom pretty hard. Yeah. As like I am I am Heather's clone. I look mm-hmm. a lot like her and I have weird things that I do that apparently was just like her that I have never known before. It happens all the time. And my mom actually forgets if she had like did I go see that with you or did I do that with Heather? Like she has these <laughs> moments all the time. Yeah. And so when you say like celebrating the life, like that is what my mom and I are doing actually this weekend. Mm-hmm coming up soon i mean this it is no. sad but it's but it happened so long ago and it is it's funny i mean talk rocky horror picture show hello and <laughs> i love tim curry and that show is just like susan sarandon and tim curry and them on acid i don't know it's just oh so crazy God, and funny it. no i I, oh, I love that and I, I love that idea like i said my friend passed away her daughter was eight months old so i love Seeing how you've grown up and you, you know, you know your real mom, but you, you know, you call your mom yeah. mom. So and it's the same thing. It's like she has mom one and mom two. And in her instance, yeah. her grandma adopted her. So then she's mom now. So she's still young. But I just love the thought that, you know, she'll be your age someday going to do mm-hmm. things Ray liked. And oh, just really, it's this thing you just got to celebrate life. Oh, Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was 10 months old when Heather passed away, and it was by a drug driver, mm-hmm. and it was hard, I know, for my family, but my mom always says this too shall pass, but I always always knew where I came from, and uh, my birth father, he passed away when I was 13, and when I went to Florida, I actually got to meet a lot of my birth father's family, so that's also why that trip was so amazing, is going they're actually big history buffs over there. Oh wow! And, and so to go all to go to all these museums and and art galleries and my art is actually a lot like my birth father's. Oddly enough, we have we oh, have wow. the exact same style. That is so and, like so yeah. amazing because that's the same thing. Aaliyah is so artistic and she does art and she sings and she's. She is exactly a clone of her mom, too. And it's just, it's amazing that you get mm-hmm. so much. I just, I love it. Because I know for me, having Aaliyah in my life is like having her again. Because they're so similar. So I'm sure it's the same with your family. Having you is just like having her Oh, there. yeah. I, I feel like I was just Heather's replacement. Because 
there was my mom and I have my aunt Kim. And then there was Heather, the baby mm-hmm. of the three of them. And aunt Kim will actually talk to me almost more like she, she acknowledges me as her niece. Like she will introduce me as her niece, but sometimes when we're one-on-one, she talks to me like I'm Heather. Yeah. <laughs> and then other times she's talking, talking to me as Nat's Willen. Cause that's what she nicknamed me when I was little. <laughs> <laughs> My name being Natalie Dillon. So if I was in trouble, they're like, Nat's willing, get over here. Like, quit playing in the mud. Like, that was my thing. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you for sharing that. This is a perfect Sorry for, for that, that little detour, but. No, I love it. I, Anyways. It's very sweet. I really enjoyed it. It was fun. And it's just always nice to learn, learn what other, how other people celebrate this kind of stuff. And then I really like learning about my family and my birth parents. And other crazy stuff like a weird <laughs> crazy list of funeral customs i have 15 of the strangest funeral customs around the world oh yes yep we're gonna do one of natalie's crazy wacky lists all right we should number trademark one that. yes copyright paste everything me whatever you say i don't know what you say after that kind of stuff but that's what it is all right number one, burial beads <laughs> oh i've heard of that but i have no idea what they are Burial beads turn the dead into colorful beads. And I'm saying beads as B-E-A-D-S. And not, not like bees, like Nicolas Cage, bee mask. Yes. No bees <laughs> or no beans, like you eat or anything like that. Like jewelry beads. Um, many people in South Korea opt to compress the remains of the dead person into gem-like beads in different colors which are displayed at home. And it's kind of cool. They have like a nice sort of like a perfume bottle mm-hmm. full of these. It looks like a sea green beads inside of it. So it's kind of like a beachy thing. Like I would have this in my house. Like I'm, I'm okay with this. I like actually. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. And I know one trend is also like if you have someone cremated and people actually make beautiful glass sculptures with like color swirls and then the colors they put to ashes. So it's like an ash and color swirls and these glass kind of paperweight or sculptures. Those are pretty cool too. It's kind of expensive to get it done, but it's really neat yeah. though. All that stuff is pretty expensive. Instead of having just like an urn or something. Anyways, number two, cannibalism. <laughs> <laughs> All roads lead to cannibalism in this podcast, I'll tell you. Yep. Eating the dead, which sounds not healthy. In the old days, the Malaysians of New Guinea and the Wari people of Brazil would eat the dead in order to expel the fear and mystery that surrounds the concept of death. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I get where they're coming from, but I really, I'm, I think I'll just have the fear. <laughs> I don't need to know the mystery. I think there's videos on YouTube. I watched it in college. We learned about the those. And it's like a shaman thing. But yeah, it was mm-hmm. really, really cool to watch. It's very ceremonial. It's not like, oh, we're eating people. It's very respectful. And it's it's really cool. I mean, it's hard to explain. But yeah, you should definitely give it a Google. It's very, it kind of makes it, it makes more sense when you watch it. Because you're like, oh, okay. By the way, I feel like give it a Google should also be one of our quotes that we should put on a tote bag or something. <laughs> That's true. Give it a Google. Give it a Google. Number three, become a memorial reef in the ocean. Oh. Yep. I had to read it a couple of times and be like, is this really what I'm reading? 
a company in the U.S. called Eternal Reefs compresses remains into a sphere or like a reef ball that can be attached to a reef in the ocean, providing habitat for sea life. Oh, and okay. Now it's you a have very it. green way. Yeah. Yeah. A little fish house. Okay. And I know they now make eco coffins too, where you don't do the embalming, and they have woven biodegradable coffins now too. That's like a new thing in the U.S. Actually, and things yeah. are trying to go green here in the U.S., which is great. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not a complaint. That's just something that's happening right now. Well, I think at some Pretty point bad. everybody's gonna have to because we're gonna run out of room. Exactly. <laughs> All right, next <laughs> number four. Fama Dihana, turning of the bones, basically. Once every seven years, the Malagasy people of Madagascar exhume the bodies of loved ones, wrap them in cloth, and dance with the corpse sacks. <laughs> I have heard of that. It prob- and it smells bad, so they spray it with wine and tell stories to their families. Aww. I, can I drink the wine? I want to drink the wine. It's, it's kind of interesting and, and gross all at the same time. I kind of, I think I've seen things of it and it's just so cool because they like change their clothes and they clean up their resting place. It's just, it's just such a, yeah. like even saying that resting place is so interesting to me because they're not resting. They're just waiting for the next party. I think it's kind of cool. Exactly. It It's cool and... I don't know, I feel very half and half about it. I don't know. I think it's because I more just don't want to see a corpse that has rotted to the extent it has. Number five, and that is buried in a fancy coffin. And Ghana, people like to be buried in something that represents their lives. These include coffins shaped like planes for pilots, fish for fishermen, or Mercedes for businesswomen. Oh, man. And... They have a picture of a really awesome, like, leather shoe. Like, it's just a giant dress shoe. Oh, that's really cool. It's six feet, and the inside is purple silk or purple, per, some kind of purple material. I guess, I don't know who that is, a dancer, maybe? Or mm-hmm. a, a businessman that loves shoes? I don't know who would love shoes that much <laughs> to be buried in one. But it is a men's dress shoe, and it looks fancy. Cool. Number six in Tibetan Sky Burial, which offers their bodies to birds. Many, especially the Buddhists, sometimes cut the body into pieces and leave them on a hill for the birds to feast on. Buddhists see dead bodies as empty vessels and consider these sky burials an act of charity and compassion. And it shows a skeleton with birds eating from it. I couldn't help myself. I'm like, cut my corpse into pieces. This is my resting place. Yeah. Come on, Papa Roach. (laughs) Do you not know that song? It's from where? Papa Roach, that song, Cut My Life Into Pieces. Man, that was a good joke. Uh, No. Somebody will get it. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's for the birds. For the birds. (laughs) I don't know. That there is a good joke. Okay, sorry. It's not. It wasn't at all. But literally, the body was for the birds, though. So that was for real. Mm-hmm. All right, number seven is a very weird one that kind of makes me sad. It's finger amputation. And this is also in New Guinea. Oh. 
Among the Danny people, the death of a loved one meant that any women and children related to the deceased had to cut off some of their fingers. And this was drive and this was to drive spirits away, and it is actually now banned. Oh, that's that's interesting. This was almost gonna be my morbid segment, so until I discovered the India thing, that was it for last episode. But yeah, it's it's every time someone dies, you cut off a finger. And it's only for the women and children. I guess oh. because the men are supposed to be hunting and working and stuff. Oh, I guess. Aren't oh, women supposed sucks. to be gathering? You need you need fingers to gather. And so yeah. it shows a yeah. I know. There's I'm like everyone needs it for something. Even if it's women's work, you still need them. But it shows the lady cut off an old lady, it shows that her it's cut off to the first knuckle or second oh, knuckle. Yeah, by oh, midway no. mid finger. So you have like little nubs. Oh no. I guess just and She's smoking a cigarette, so it's, like, just enough to hold a cigarette. Well, that's really depressing. Yep. That's why we're going to move on. Number eight, jazz burials in New Orleans, uh, which everyone, I feel like, especially in the U.S., knows, and that's a giant band funeral procession, and it plays sad tunes at first, and then followed by upbeat jazz and blues numbers, and accompanied by furious dancing. I guess to liven the mood. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm always down for some furious dancing. Number nine, blindfolded funeral. Hmm. This is Northwestern Philippines. They blindfold their dead and place them next to the main entrance of the door of the house. Oh. So this is so they uh, just just Mima on the porch. <laughs> blindfolded. Oh, no. Not my Mima. <laughs> Not my Mima. <laughs> <laughs> Although my Mima would have been the one with the cigarette. She was a chain smoker. Her nub <laughs> blindfolded on the porch. A Tinguan funeral makes it look like they're still alive. So this is also in the Philippines. They dress the bodies in their best clothes and sit them in a chair and place them with a lit cigarette in their lips. So this is your Mima oh, here. That is my Mima. And then in the picture, it shows a, a skull with a lit cigarette and they have gold teeth and everything. Kind of cracks me up. Uh, yeah, they'll dress them up to make them look like they're still kicking. And I just like, uh, that's a pass. I'm sorry. I will celebrate their life, but I don't need to see the body. So that came up a lot, was just kind of dressing up the body and hanging out. And I feel like we have extremes here. Either the body is super important where we dress them up, take care of them, or re- or dig them up and party with them every mm-hmm. seven years. Or the body is nothing, kind of like the Buddhists. It's just mm-hmm. a, an empty vessel, and like they they either burn it to help them go the spirit, release the spirit, or they feed them to the birds or whatever it is. A few more. La- uh, number eleven is Cavatino tree burial, and or Cavatino. I'm not sure. Well, in one they don't have the tilde. Above the inn, and then the next time they do, so Cavatino, oh. I assume, who live near Manila, they bury dead in hollowed out tree trunks. Huh, that's kind of cool. And that is kind of cool. And the tree is selected before the person's death, so that's another one that you actually pick out your like pick out your death tree before you <laughs> die. <laughs> uh, this one gets me. 
And I couldn't find why they do this, but it is a goal of mine to give a Google. And it's also in the Philippines. Philippines, y'all are doing some interesting things. And that is you bury the dead under the kitchen as well. What? That's really interesting because the Philippines, like, cooking is a huge part of, like, their culture and their familial, you know, home life. I guess that's what that is. Keeping them close to home and having dinner with them, basically, right over them. That actually sounds really cool. (laughs) It's like, hey, Mima, I'm making a recipe today. Can you smell it? I guess so, yeah. Smell the cookies? Yeah. This this is another one I feel very half and half with. Yeah. Like it, it is cool to think of them with you. And then it's also like, uh, what if you sell your house? Also, yes. Or but, if it floods under your house. Oh, that wouldn't be great. But also like if you want ghosts, that seems like how you'd get ghosts, you know, having a body under the floorboards. I've seen that movie. Yeah, is this a goal? Yeah. <laughs> Several. Another environmental friendly burial, you skip embalming and, okay, yeah, this is the biogradable one. It was number 13. So I spoke about that a little bit ago. And and it's just kind of neat. It's just like basically giant co- coffin woven baskets. Cool. Number 14, and it's a vulture funeral. The corpse is washed with bull urine. Oh. That sounds pleasant. Which is visited by a holy dog. Or Sagdid, it is then placed atop the Tower of Silence, where it's swiftly devoured by vultures. These vultures seem to be getting pretty well fed because it, in the picture it shows several, several corpses. Wait, was that in that Queen of the Desert movie we did for the drunk dive? Remember they climbed up and there was all the people getting eaten by vultures? They climbed probably. up that tower? That's probably it. That probably was yeah. that. That's probably it. Yeah. Shameless plug. We did a drunk dive on that movie. It was funny. It was very drunk. It was funny. All of our drunk dives are funny. I think that's actually my favorite thing we do. <laughs> Last, number 15, the Hate of Totem Pole Funeral. Oh, cool. The Hate of People of North America had a special ritual for the death of a chief or a shaman. The body would be crushed to a pulp. Ooh, oh, hard pass. Gross. Pulp with, granted, I mean, you are dead, but oh, I'm thinking of all those True Blood episodes with the stringy blood and grossness. Oh, like, oh. yeah. Yeah. Anyways, so to a pulp with clubs and put in a suitcase box. The box would then be placed in a totem pole in front of the deceased person's house. Okay. So yep. the whole club thing seems like there'd be a lot of spatter. Yeah, that does that doesn't sound fun. I know. Like, I just wonder. It's one thing to put a totem pole in front of that house representing your chief or your shaman. Yeah, I do that. Beating the body up to a pole. Do not take that. Oh man. Why not? Why not just? I I wonder if they just didn't have the tools to cut them up or. Oh man, I'm I assume they did because they eat meat. You hunt. And so. Yeah, I'm getting a lot of True Blood vibes too. They got a lot of Uzi. Boxes of people. I'll pass. Anyways, anyway, so yeah, that was the last one, and that's exactly the feeling I wanted to end this with. The like, uh, kind of grossed out and eh, kind of feeling. So there you go, yeah. you got it. I do <laughs> dig a good totem pole though. They're super fucking cool. I didn't know that there was like <laughs> a so weird. 
like a juice box of a person in there, though. That's 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 I no, 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 <laughs> no. It's just orange juice with the pulp, extra pulp. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's in that juice box. <laughs> That's so oh, hard pass. All right. So the All last right, your turn. I had random and you gave me instruments. <laughs> so I'm oh, going okay. to do cool. a couple of examples of funeral customs involving music. Which there were way too many sites that are like, oh, the songs that you should play at your funeral around the world. And it said like Frank Sinatra was the number one in the entire world. Which just didn't seem right to me, but you know, whatever. That's not what I would expect. Okay. Especially not after everything we've heard from all the other countries, but you know. Yeah. Alright, so the first huh. one is the Haka, which I think is cool as shit. I love it. Sounds like you're Haka and a Lukey. Haka. Oh, like my maiden name. Hockenberry. <laughs> So this is the Maori people of New Zealand. So this is going to be specifically this group. And I know a lot of other cultures do it, like Hawaiians do a haka, all kinds of stuff. Anyway, so New Zealand's native Maori people have a rich tradition of dance and musical chanting they call a haka. There are different types that are used for a variety of occasions. Some hakas are traditionally performed before battles. And then some are used to wa- like welcome guests or mark a significant occasion. So I don't know if you guys saw that video that went viral for this year on 9-11. The New Zealander, their firefighters did a haka in memory of the victims of 9-11. Oh, I did see that. That was yes. really cool. It was really so, so cool. And it was really powerful and it gave me goosebumps. So definitely you should YouTube that. But the Manawawera haka is what's used for solemn occasions, such as funerals, which I'm assuming that the one they did for the memorial of 9-11 is probably similar because it was more solemn and it was very, mm-hmm. it was really touching. And they do this at funerals and then they honor the dead there. But then they also, you know, rally local sports teams too with the haka, which is cool. So it's very well-versed, very well-rounded, this haka. The next one is the Zapotec Funeral Festival, and this is in Mexico. The Zapotec people of the Oaxaca region, I think I said that right, a funeral is an opportunity (laughs) to truly celebrate the life of the deceased. So this is another one of those party-type funerals. A traditional Zapotec funeral includes a procession through the streets with incense, mezcal, hello, colorful clothing, and a brass band. It's a community event not unlike the New Orleans Jazz Funeral, you know, that you talked about and I'm about to talk about again. (laughs) Uh, But it's, you know, the equivalent in Central America. Though it's sort of a festival, it's one that has a solemn purpose to honor the dead, but the music remains grounded in that purpose. You honor the dead, but it's more of a celebration of life than anything. So I do really enjoy that. Sounds good. I feel like that's kind of what I... I want people to celebrate. Don't, don't cry for me. All my listeners. Okay, anyway. Dancing <laughs> pallbearers. Maybe now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so dancing pallbearers. This is in Ghana. 
Ghana funerals are extravagant occasions, which you just told us about. They're really cool as shit coffins. So this makes more sense now. And these funerals last days and they're attended by hundreds. Uh, One striking tradition that has become established recently is a joyful dancing by the pallbearers when they carry the casket and is accompanied by Ghanaian music. These dancing pallbearers are typically professionals hired for the performance, not relatives or friends of the deceased, which I found really interesting because normally pallbearers are the people closest to you. But now these are just entertainers. They're there to bust a move. Also, I'm probably going to be okay with that. Yeah, I really like it. I think I'm going to put up videos of each of these on our website, like links to YouTube, because it really makes more sense when you're watching. It's really hard to describe music. (laughs) You know, without listening to it. <laughs> but, you know, like, copyright and stuff, I couldn't put, you know, I couldn't put any links. Yeah. Anyway, I want to go into a we'll lot of you. detail of the jazz funeral. Because it's so fucking cool. So, jazz funerals in New Orleans are influenced by everything from African tribal funeral rites to French militarism. Militarism. Militarism? That's oh. not a word. Militarism. That New Orleans jazz funerals represent a totally different approach to death than most of us are used to. And if you've never seen one, you should also hit the Google machine because these are so freaking cool. <laughs> Louisiana has a rich and fascinating history, as we all know. It was colonized by the French, Spanish, and British. In turn, military brass bands were com- commandeered to play at all sorts of official occasions and intended funerals throughout the entire 19th century. The city was also considered central to the domestic slave trade that was thriving in 1808. The West African tribal traditions of rejoicing at death through music, drums, and chants traveled with the slaves who found themselves forced into servitude in this area. They were meant to help the deceased make the transition from earth to heaven, and this is the whole idea of voodoo, so this is where it kind of connects. I said they were connected. So, remember everything we said about voodoo. This is this. This is New mm-hmm. Orleans area. Okay. After the Civil War, black families found themselves in a situation similar to that of immigrant whites. They had very limited resources. These families followed the model of those immigrants and started pooling all their resources to form social aid societies so that they could bury their loved ones with dignity. And when I say immigrants, I'm meaning more like Irish because at that time, like, no Irish need apply here, and they were all poor, and they were not welcome to be buried either. So um, a lot of these communities started creating these social aid societies. <laughs> Black musicians could work professionally as free men, so it wasn't long after the war that they started putting together brass bands. Funerals would become an important source for gigs. One of the best ways to avoid confrontation with others during these tense years of Reconstruction was for the entire social aid society to join the funeral procession. So, let's not forget, Reconstruction was fucking miserable in the United States. Really, really, really terrible time. There was no way to make money. And then, then let's throw in Jim Crow laws, and it made things even harder. And then during this time, white musicians kind of took over, and they started playing all the clubs, saloons, and social events to white society. But on the bright side, if there ever is one, when you say Jim Crow, uh, <laughs> the bands were, these white bands were kept busy by being in all the saloons and clubs and stuff, but the black musicians were left to do whatever the fuck they wanted in the streets. So they started doing street parades, 
And they started adding these syncopated rhythms, they improv techniques, and they added bits and pieces of the traditional military style tunes they were used to. And jazz bands were born. So Uh cool. So jazz, you know, everybody, I love jazz so much. But it's one of those things that really gets you moving, has really up-tempo songs. And this became something that they started playing when people left cemeteries. And then this music kind of drew people in and it became this way to celebrate life and dance. Black families became more and more part of the city's middle and upper classes. Thank goodness. And the original purpose of these social aid societies kind of evolved from this way for them to bury their loved ones to actual like a pleasure club. And the membership of these societies decided there was no reason to limit their parades to just funerals. The clubs hired a band. They would meet at the favorite bar or club on a Sunday afternoon in their best clothes, and then they would parade through the neighborhood. This evolved into a formal schedule of groups looking to parade in similar clothing and costumes. The band plays, the club members show off their best clothes and dance moves, and everybody has a good-ass time. (sighs) Okay, so back to the funeral stuff. So, (laughs) one of the earliest accounts of what we consider the New Orleans jazz funeral came from this architect named Benjamin Latrobe, who said it was a funeral that began with mourners wailing loudly and ended with calamitous laughter. So modern jazz funerals have a strictly defined structure. Once the family wait comes to an end, the band accompanies the family to the funeral service together, and this is known as the first line. And then to break it down more, a typical jazz funeral begins at the church or the funeral home. A brass band is followed by a glass-sided hearse, uh, likely pulled by a white mule, uh, flowers on top and the coffin inside, and then the mourners walk behind. The procession moves slowly, dirges are played, and sometimes punctuated by songs like A Closer Walk to Thee. The music begins at this solemn, it's very restrained, it's a very slow march, and then this is to symbolize, you know, the grief of the family, to acknowledge their grief and the feeling of their lost loved one. So then they arrive at the prepared gravesite. There's often a tomb with a curtain hiding the empty vault. There's words you know, spoken that have to do with their religion, they're remembered, and then the pallbearers lift the coffin and slide it into the tomb, and then the curtain drops, and then the music quickens, it becomes jubilant, inspiring, dancing, singing, and improvisation, a joyful celebration of life well lived, and the promise of heavenly reward that moves through the streets and can attract crowds. This change symbolizes that the cares, worries, and suffering of the deceased are over, that the person has gone to glory. Uh, the quicker songs include spirited music like When the Saints Go Marching In. So big change from mm-hmm. the closer walk to the heat to the saints. And I love this part. Mm-hmm. So the mood becomes just pure joy. And the mourners begin to celebrate this life with their loved one. And then they start following the band. And they're keeping time with the music. They're dancing. And this is when other people come in. So complete strangers start joining this procession line, and this is what they call the second line. And it's said that the music is what attracts the second line. Strangers, friends, young, old, rich, poor, tourists in casual dress, and relatives attired in formal morning wear. Doesn't matter. Everybody's joining the second line. And this is from the Go New Orleans website. It says New Orleans visitors can catch second line parades on Sunday afternoons in the fall and spring. Many of the social aids and pleasure clubs take their talents to the New Orleans Fair groups each spring, parading there during the two weekends of the New Orleans Jazz Fest and Heritage Festivals. And then the last weekend of April and the first weekend of May, 
It says, come check out the New Orleans Second Line. It's one of those must-see things to do to dance along the band. So, now they have scheduled Second Lines. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it's really cool. I know. I just love that a lot of this stems from, you know, just slavery and then just the horrific things that happen with Reconstruction and then Jim Crow. And then out of all the shittiness, just this joyous music and celebration. And they turned something of not being able to bury their loved ones. And it became something really cool where they have pleasure clubs. And I just, I love a good happy ending. I mean, somebody did die. That's not happy. But this whole procession of this funeral is... Yeah, it's a it's a silver lining of mm-hmm. something. Yeah, it could have gone a lot worse. I mean, I'd um, rather it end like this mm-hmm. and really awesome, joyous music and people celebrating a life and, and I just the oh, rich history of where all of it came from. And I did read some things that says that there are a lot of historians that argue where jo- like jazz was born. So even no matter what you Mm -hmm. think, if jazz was born in New Orleans, the word jazz did come from New Orleans. And this is like the heart. I saw a thing that said that if, oh shit, what did it say? I already forgot. (laughs) Oh, I can't remember what it said. Never mind. (laughs) It was something like jazz is the beating heart of something, but I can't remember now. So good story, Kena. Huh. Yeah, it's really cool. I I just love jazz so much, and I just love the idea of seeing a second line and just, I don't know if anybody's ever been to a black church or not. It's the most invigorating, just, like, joyful, like, oh, my God, it's it's so amazing. I would love to go to one of those churches that are very celebratory and singing and so. It's infectious. Probably ever since like, I saw Blues Brothers, I've always wanted yeah, to go to Yeah, <laughs> it's so cool. Like, you cannot help but just be taken, you know, taken away with it. It's just so amazing. And I, I, I probably, oh, it's terrible to me. I do watch The Bachelor because, you know, it's my guilty pleasure. And they did a know. thing where they were at a second line and they joined it and was dancing. And I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. Oh, it was so cool. <laughs> But she was talking about how her, somebody in her family, they did a first line with him. And then they had all the people join the second line. So it was really cool because there was an actual connection with her. But yeah, I was, I just love it so much. I love jazz. I love it so much. Not like La La Land I used to play drum set for jazz band. Oh, yeah. I always like joke, like La La Land is such a good movie. But I just love that they're like, oh, you know, Ryan Gosling saved jazz. I'm like, oh, please don't. No. No, 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 no. Well, you know what? In my in <laughs> in defense of that, I I am usually one to be a little cynical towards certain fads and stuff. But if mm-hmm. it takes Ryan Gosling to bring <laughs> jazz back a little bit, I'm okay with that. Because so many people don't like it or they don't appreciate it. Or they don't even know what it's about. They they only listen to what's on the radio and mm-hmm. jazz is not on the radio. Yeah. And for a movie to win awards and to be so popular and, mm-hmm. and for someone to show interest in jazz again, I'm I'm okay with that. I'm willing. I, I played a, a drum set for a jazz band for so many years and so I and my dad used to play it when I was little too. So I have a very a very high appreciation of it. I love like Benny Goodman is one of my favorite musicians and band leaders. 
Yeah, it's so amazing. It's so upbeat, and it's just, you can't help yourself but get lost in it. I just, it's so great. I can't imagine drumming. That's that's a lot of energy. (laughs) (laughs) The drumming? Jesus. That's not too bad. Really? Yeah, yeah, it's not too bad. I'd be tired. I mean, you'd be sweating by the end of it, but it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, no, I really, I definitely, New Orleans is on the top of my to-go list. Must must see very soon. I love it so much. I have never been there, but I feel like I will love it. I already know. (laughs) No problem. (laughs) Well, this is really cool. I can't wait to do it again. (laughs) Yeah, funeral customs. There's (laughs) way too many. Oh my gosh, there really are. But don't worry, we got voodoo on that. We've got strippers coming up, guys. Chinese stripper funerals as well. Maybe I'll maybe I'll just do a whole. Segment of strippers. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, thanks, guys. Keep a look out on that, patrons. Joining us for part two the funeral customs. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a good topic for spooky season, so it fit. Wasn't very spooky, but. And it's, yeah, it, I mean, it's dark, it's morbid, but it's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And this is, we talk about it, we make jokes, but we are respectful. If this is what you believe and you think is best, then that was wonderful. Oh, yeah, this is definitely this is... open my eyes. I have some more requests for my passing. <laughs> I, I want to party. Man. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind partying with y'all every seven years. I just don't want to touch the bones, okay? <laughs> Yeah. Um, but if y'all have any really cool funeral stories, funny or just interesting or a, a tradition that y'all like to do, you know, send in your stories at our Gmail account, historical pod, or what is this? Historical AF pod at gmail.com. Cause oh, we, yeah. we, it's the spooky season. We need your ghost stories. We've now done funerals. We need your funny funeral stories. It doesn't have to be funny. It can just be interesting yeah. and cool. I would love to know if anybody has any really cool customs. Like if your family does something really cool. Mm-hmm. I know some people like Irish. You take a shot. You know, you put the shot glass on the coffin. I know there's a lot of stuff that, you know, people are. You don't are have to die to take a shot. <laughs> yeah, you definitely don't. But yeah, I know like Southern, like we have our little things that we all do. And so I'm very well versed in that. But I would definitely like to hear what other people around the world are doing now. Be really cool. Mm-hmm. Put it in our extra AF episode for November, which, you know, November 1st, Day of the Dead, it'll be perfect. It really would be. Mm-hmm. Because isn't Halloween supposed to be one of the times the you're closer to the spirit realm? Yeah, the veil. It's supposed to be when the spirits there. walk around us. Yeah. Yes. And so right after that, we'll talk about all the spooky shit that went down the night before and read your stories, basically. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And November 1st is symbolic in a lot of places, too. It's being, you know, the veil's still open and whatnot. If you want to be in on this spooky movie night we're giving away, join Patreon. That's patreon.com slash historical AF pod. All you have to do is join and then you're entered. And then we'll draw it on our next episode. We will tell you who the winner is. And then you'll get the, uh, maybe not in time for Halloween. Hell yeah. I mean, come on. I know you want to join because after all, we're going to talk about stripper funerals. <laughs> I mean, do you, I'm sure you want that kind of content. And oh, you get a chance to win some awesome spooky shit from us. Hello. Yes. You can't, you can't go wrong. 
<laughs> yeah, we're going to throw some Marcy shit in there and some movies and popcorn and candy. It'll be really fun. Plus, Patreon's got so mm. much stuff. I can't even list it all because we'd be here all day, but it's a lot. So you should go to the website and look at everything on there. It's really great. Also, follow us on social media. That's Historical AF Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we post a lot of really cool stuff. So, and we like you guys. And I love me. our memes and our Mad Lib and stuff. Man, I have so much fun Googling historical memes. They're so funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And of course, uh, of course, we also post about our sales for our merch. And what's our, our merch site? Shop.spreadshirt.com slash historical AF pod. And if all these links are just like, God damn it, there's too many. You can go to our website. Just remember one. Historical afpodcast.wordpress.com and then it has everything on there. It has our Patreon and our merch and then it has our sponsor stuff. Wink, wink. <laughs> Get it? And then yeah, got everything. So, and our sources. Like Give said, us a Google. We pop up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, we're going to have a lot of sources because I think this topic I have probably like 30. I went a little nuts. Sorry, not sorry. I have four. <laughs> oh, man. I, so, many. Oh, so many. There's a lot of really cool stuff. All this stuff I couldn't get to because, you know, time. So, you can read all the stuff I didn't get to. It's like, damn it. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, thank you That's so right. much for joining us again. Oh, I'm really excited. We'll yep. see you. Thanks for next. listening. And don't forget about our spooky stuff coming up. Our yeah. contest. Spoiler alert, we have a special spooky episode coming up next Sunday, so definitely tune in. Great. Yeah. Oh, yeah, great. Yeah, it's really great. Whisper. Whisper. Okay, bye. Bye. Keenan, why are we so weird? (laughs) I don't know.